Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Reach, raise, and release. Awesome. And so part of the reason that we do a Vision Sunday, and we had this discussion in our life group after, was to not, not just to kind of come up with some new things that we think we should be doing as a church, not just to add new initiatives or come up with the, the new and the greatest idea that we think would take the world by storm. We do this to come back to what we feel God has essentially said to us as a church to be about, which is to reach the lost, to raise the found, and to release people into their call and their destiny in God. That is what we exist for. That is our vision as a church. It is a biblical vision, and it probably should be a similar vision to every local congregation that you would ever meet, because we are called to reach out as a, as a church. Do we agree with that? Anyone disagree that we're not supposed to reach the lost? Good. We're on the same, pla- on the same page. We're called to raise up disciples, not to fill, fill auditoriums, although sometimes that can, can be a fruit of that. We're called to raise disciples who will then go on to raise other disciples. That is the process which we are called to as a church. And then to release people into whatever it is that God has for them in their call in life. We're sitting in, in one room, but there are so many different people with different and unique gift sets, talents, as Karen said before, different ideas, different thoughts, different wirings. And uh, we don't want to have a blanket kind of, this is what ministry looks like for everyone. It's, it's like, what has God shaped in you? What has God got for you? And then as a church community, we want to work with God to authorize and commission you to do whatever it is that he's calling you to do so that you can influence your sphere, your community, your family. That is what we exist for, to reach, to raise, and release. Now, the reason we do this every year is because we, at times, find that we can drift. We can drift away from what the actual purpose and the vision God has for the church. And so doing this and we're doing that and energize some new vision, it's to say come back to what God has said to us. We can't move away from this. If this is who he's calling us to be as a people, then we need to be about what he's calling us to do. Last week, Pastor Josh spoke about the, the, the emphasis, I guess, particularly in this season that we feel God is saying to us in outworking that vision, which came from Luke chapter 5 and is, is a quite a well-known, um, quite often misquoted uh, passage of Scripture which talks about where Jesus is talking to John's disciples and he's telling them about the shift and the transition that is about to take place, which ultimately was talking about the covenant differences from the old and the new and how you couldn't just take some of the old and patch it with the new and, and have some sort of reformed kind of old covenant. It, it was a brand new covenant. It was a new covenant and it was a new set of, li- set of uh, it was a new kind of living that came with this covenant. And he was saying that in order for that to happen, the wineskin needs to change. 
some of those mindsets or those methods or those ideas or understandings that we have gripped onto in times, we need to allow God to change those mindsets so that we can be ready for whatever it is that he's wanting to do. We get, I, know, I don't know if it's just me, maybe it's in our, our kind of Pentecostal circle, that we get this fascination with the new and the next. What's new? What's next? Tell me what is new, what is next? Because we, 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 it's like, yeah, what's new? What's next? What's new? What's next? And we can kind of translate and try and think, well, what is the new wine that God is wanting to, to pour out? But I feel that the emphasis is less on the new wine and more on the new wine skin. God is saying, you prepare yourselves for whatever it is I pour. He does the pouring, we're doing the preparing. We're preparing our mindsets for whatever it may look like in the future, for whatever he may pour out into our community, into our church, whatever that may look like, that our mindsets are being prepared, that we're allowing him to renew and transform our way of thinking so that we can move with him in what he wants. Does that make sense? So that's kind of translating what, what that is, what the vision is for us. Now, as a, as a congregation, we, pay, we, we are one campus in uh, a church with three campuses, three locations. So we have a location in Malaga, one in Livingston, which is in, in Africa, and one here in Ellenbrook. And each of those campuses, whilst we have the same overarching vision, the same overarching leadership, there is a contextualization that needs to take place for each of our campuses because we are, whilst we are one church, we have our own kind of, uh, our own people, we have our own community, we have different, you know, people in, in this actual congregation. And so there needs to be a contextualization for what does that vision mean to us as a family? Not that we're stepping outside of the general and the overall vision, but how, do we, how are we going to actually outwork this as a family? So this morning is less of a sermon and it's more of a conversation about bringing us back to that vision that God has given us as a church and looking at how is that practically going to be outworked over this next 12 months. Should we be given 12 months if Jesus doesn't return in that set of time and we actually have the 12 months to, to walk this out? So what we're going to do is just go through a few different areas in our church, a few different uh, kind of points that we think you know, God is speaking to us about particularly to give some attention to. Now, if you have brought a Bible, which I hope you did because it's not on the screens today, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6. And we're going to do a, a mini Bible study before we get into some practical outworking of this. If you don't have a Bible, maybe turn and repent. No, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> maybe turn to the person next to you and uh, read off theirs or in front of you. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 6 from verse 1 through to verse 7. You ready? Acts 6 verse 1, it says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Hmm, interesting. Verse 3 says, And so, brothers, select seven men who were well-respected, 
and full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Maintain, oh, so everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of the Holy, faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an early convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid as they laid hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Okay, so here's the first thing that we're kind of feeling as a church, as a congregation, that we need to be thinking about for this season. It's this. We need to consolidate for the mandate. Consolidate for the mandate. To consolidate means to make something physically stronger or more solid. To strengthen one's position or to strengthen the power or to combine a number of things into a single, more effective, uh, coherent whole. To consolidate. A mandate, as you're probably well aware, is an official order or commission to do something. To consolidate for the mandate. So we feel that actually right now what God is doing in our congregation is kind of bringing us to this place of consolidation where we are being strengthened in the things that really matter so that we can be about the mandate that Jesus has given us. Not about a whole hive of activity, not about just a whole heap of different things that we think are good ideas, but consolidating the strength of the home base so that we have strong roots, deep roots, so that we are unwavering in our faith, so that we can do whatever it is that God calls us to, to consolidate for the mandate. Now, here's what took place in Acts chapter 6. We see the almost disruption of this beautiful utopia that is referred to as the early church. Everywhere you go, people talk about, we need to get back to the early church because they cared for each other. They had this, this beautiful unity. They had this incredible harmony and, and, and whilst in their diversity. And we see in Acts chapter 2, there's incredible things that are taking place in the early church. But we need to know that the Acts chapter 2 church is also the Acts chapter 6 church. And in Acts chapter 6, just a few chapters down the street, we see that there's already some grumblings taking place. What was almost utopia in their minds becomes church, where we've got a whole group of different people being put together to do life together. And it says that there, are some, there were some rumblings of discontent. There were a few uh, things that, that came up to the church where we see the, the example was that the Greek speakers, they thought that their widows weren't being, uh, they were being discriminated against by the Hebrew speakers. So already we're seeing a blending of cultures coming together, but now there are some issues that are starting to rise up. Here is something that I want to say from this text. We have to learn to lean into the tensions. Lean into those tensions. This is what was happening in the church. There were rumblings, there was discontent, there, there was, there was, it seemed like there were some people that were being given favor over the others. 
And so they brought this to the apostles. They brought this to the, to the people and they said, hey, this is kind of, this is where it's at. Now watch the response of those who were in charge of the church, those who were overseeing, over-shepherding the church. They didn't dismiss the tension. They didn't just say, no, no, it, we're, we're just doing, we're doing what we do because that's how we do it. You guys just have to wait. Those, those Greek people can just wait their turn. And they actually took the tension of the growth of the church and they took it on and said, well, is there something that we can do about it? Now, this is not about, you know, just listening to every kind of complaint or, you know, oh, I just really don't like the grey walls or, you know, the music is just not my style or, or, or all of these kind of different things that we can come with. This is a, a, a tension that was taking place. The, the apostles leaned into the, the, the tension I'll say this, sometimes God uses those tensions to actually get our attention. He uses those things that aren't necessarily working, aren't functioning, are, are kind of need, need some attention, those little tensions to get our attention so that we look to it, but not to take us off track from the actual mission. So lean into those tensions. We've got to think as a church, what are some of the things? That, I feel like we're in a season where there's some growing pains. We're coming into a new level of maturity, and as a church, that's going to bring with it some you know, growing pains. If, you, if you, you've heard that term before, that's what was taking place here. The first thing we read there in Acts chapter 6 was that the believers rapidly multiplied. That means that they exploded. People were being saved, added into the family. Who wants that? Who wants to see people saved? Who wants to see new, new life? I love it, you know, when God brings people into the fellowship and from different fellowships. But, but churches can't grow and be built healthily on transfer growth. Let's be real. If there are no new people being won into the kingdom, are we reaching? There is a tension that we need to actually wrestle with. And we can say, well, yeah, we're just used to doing it this way. We do our own thing. We want to do it the way we've always done it. Or we lean into that tension. It was a growing pain, and they had to kind of listen. So here's what happens after this. They needed to test their mindsets. So before they made any changes, the apostles got together, and they started to talk through the, this issue. What, what is actually taking place here, and what, what are we going to do? How, is, how are we going to respond? It's not a reaction to just like do whatever needs to be done and change whatever needs to be changed. Because before we change our methods, we have to change our mindsets. God wants us to really focus on what, what, what is it that, that the thinking or the belief that is actually behind our behavior. Why do we do what we do? Well, that comes back to what, ultimately what we believe about God, about ourselves, about the word, about the world. And that will inform how we do what we do. So what needed to take place was a changing of the mindset first. And so here's what happens. The, the twins say, we apostles teaching the word of God and not running a food program. Now, some people might listen to that and say, that's pretty savage. Are they saying then that it's more important to do this over that or that it's not important to run a food program? That's not essentially what they're saying. 
But what they had to test was, okay, here is the issue. We need more people. The, the church is growing. We need, to, we need to grow with the church. So those who are already preaching and, and, and teaching and doing whatever it might be, we could then add another 12 hours to our day and run extra feeding programs so that um, we can meet all the need that is there. It would have been easy to react in that way. But instead they said, you know what? We need to do what we are actually called, gifted, and, and commissioned to do as apostles, which was give devotion to prayer and the teaching of the word. Because that is our calling. That is what we are called to do. And so we are not going to then just add or do more or try and expand ourselves in that way. Now, I'll tell you why this is in the Bible, because it's important. God doesn't put things in there if they're not important. And so this random kind of seeming story actually has significance to us today, and particularly because what took place after this shifted a paradigm or a mindset that had been ingrained in the church through the Old Covenant, which was the, the priest would do most of the work. The, the, there were certain people who were elected or appointed to do the majority of the function or the work. And that was by God's ordination that they were called to do that. What that creates then is almost this uh, kind of separation between the anointed or the holy and everyone else. And so what the apostles had to rethink is that we're not just going to continue to add and do and do more of this. We have to do what we are called to do, and we're then going to appoint others to do other things that they can do. It was a shifting in the way that they thought about ministry, about church, and about life. And it carries on. You'll see it throughout the teachings, the epistles that we read after. This is picked up and taught. The priesthood of all believers, that, that we are all called to play a part, that we are all called to be ministers, that we are all called to be missionaries, that we are all called to take the gospel into the world. Not just the pastor, not just the, the, the apostle, not just the prophet, Everyone in this room, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, then you are called to take the gospel. You are called to serve the body. You are called to serve the world. That is your calling as a Christian. And so there was a decentralization of the ministry functions, which took place first in changing the mindset. They had to say, no, we can't just expand, we, we can't just expand in this this. Uh, food ministry without first changing the way we think about our priorities in our calling. But then they did. They adjusted the method. So what we read then is in verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 3, and they said, so let's select seven men who are well re respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. So they adjusted the mindset and then they adjusted the method. Something had to change out of it to be able to facilitate what God was doing in the community. If this did not change, it would have broken them. They, they were not able to, to keep up with the, the ministry that God was bringing in without changing their mindset and adjusting the method. So they needed to make these changes in order to facilitate greater what God was wanting to pour out. They needed to change their thinking and then adjust their methods. And so they did this. And all of this, all the while they do this, 
They leaned into the tension. They, adjust, they, they tested their mindset. They adjusted their methods so that they could maintain the mission. What they gave preference to was the mission. The mission of the church. That's what they said. This is so important that we are not going to let it get hijacked by a lack of, of method or by getting stuck in an old mindset. Because we need to change and adapt to whatever it is that God is doing in this season. And so at the end of that, that passage, it's, it's kind of sandwiched, right? The start of it says, but the believers rapidly multiplied. And the end of that little passage there, it says, so God's message continue, continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. So the little thing that they did, the little adjustment that they did in that, that, that mindset and the me method allowed for continual growth in the church, allowed for more people to be reached, allowed for more people to be raised, and allowed for more people to be released into their calling. We are part of a big family. And guess what? God's not finished growing his family. And if, if we don't you know, take stock and think, God, we want to be about what you're doing, then we may hinder part of that, that, that process. We, we, we can uh, you know, build structures around things that aren't necessarily re reproducing life or aren't necessarily taking us to a place of depth in him. And we just hold on to them because of the things that we've always kind of done. So there are some things that we as a church are looking at to think, how do we do this in a way that is, is in line with what God is doing and saying right now, not just the way that we've always done it. Now, let me just preface that to say it's not change for the sake of change. It's not just changing things because, you know what, we want new. It's not, it's not doing that. Some of the things that need to change are that we have deviated from God's original purpose for things. And we've kind of added or we've moved out of the direction of this or that or that. And we find ourselves thinking, hang on a second, what God actually said in the Word? We should probably go back to that. So the change is not necessarily, let's add to this. It's in sometimes, it's like, let's get back to what God was wanting to do in that, in that place. So we are part of, as I said, a part of a church family that, you know, is, is desiring to continue to grow spiritually, but also we want to see people added into the family. Now, you probably get the, the if you've been here a couple of weeks, you probably get the, the, the notice that we, we don't necessarily try to do things professionally. We're not, you, if the projector doesn't work, look, we're not going to have heart palpitations. It's just what it is. We're part of a hired space if that gets hit with balls or whatever it may be and we just can't work it. We've tried. We've had Craig running around on a scissor lift. Yeah, if we can't do it, then that's, that's okay because at the end of the day, we want to just keep our eyes on Jesus. We can distract ourselves and, and bring in the supplements that maybe give us the kind of, I don't know, like a pseudo or... Uh, placebo kind of feeling that we're doing what God's calling us to do when it's not necessarily the case. So, but we are a church community and there are a few things that we want to um, look at and kind of think if we are to continue to, to grow in both health and numerically, then we need to be looking at some of our structures. 
And one of those things in particular is the gathering that we have together today. It's our Sunday gatherings. Now, we say that these are really important for us to come together, to be encouraged, to be nurtured, to, to worship God, to, to speak testimony, to share, to hear the preached word, to, to minister to one to another, to pray for people, and to have fellowship. So these, these, these gatherings together are important. We won't say that they're the be-all and end-all, so that they're the only Christian expression that you should have in your life is a Sunday gathering. If that is, then you're shortchanging yourself. Uh, I, I believe you should be part of your daily regular rhythm with prayer, Bible, you know, fellowship, all of these different things, community, relationship, all of those things are important to our regular lives. But this is kind of a place where we get to come together and gather and lift up Jesus corporately. As much as we are individuals, the, the church is a body. And one of those mindsets that we've got to kind of look at is the individualistic mindset that we can have rather than what God calls us to, which is to be interdependent as a family, where they're one for another, where we're looking after each other, we're walking with one another, where we are ministering to one another, where we are completely dependent on Him, and then we work with one another into maturity. Not that we have like this increased sense of independence where it's just about me, my, and what I want or what I think I need or I think I would like. We see it slowly creeping into the Western church, that consumeristic mindset where, where the individual is the highest point of authority. But if you are a disciple of Jesus then guess what? You've got to get used to Him being Lord. It means that He is the Lord of our lives as much as He is the Lord of this church. And so we're going to follow Him where He leads us. But here's one thing that we want to look at, a practical thing with our Sunday services, and that is the, the current load that distribution of what, what's taking place in our service. Let me talk really practically. And some of us might switch off. Some of us might get excited. But um, as a church community, right now, we have to look at how we distribute the load of ministry across our church family so that it's not just one, two, ten people that are carrying all of the load. It's not an, I don't think it's a unique thing to us, but it is a tension that we right now need to look at. In order for us to be healthy, in order for us to continue to position ourselves in a place for God to speak and move and minister through us, we've got to look at this. It's something that we need to give a bit of attention to. I'll give you some, some numbers off the top of my head. We had them on slides, but um, I'll give you a couple of numbers just to kind of give a bit of a picture of what, what, what's happening within our Sunday service teams. So in 2018, our general attendance, our average attendance as a church family was around 85 uh, all, up, all up. So that's in, including kids, about 85 people. In the year between 2000, in, in 2019, that number went from 85 to 124. So Lockie was helping me with the maths. We grew like 30% in 12 months. So that, that, that's a significant growth. From that, it means, you know, there's a little bit more to do with our teams or there's more people to minister to. 
And we didn't necessarily make that jump too well in terms of our serving teams and our serving one another in the family. We then came to 2020, which is the year we uh, things really got disrupted. And for the first first three or four months of 2020, we were averaging 125, so we're still kind of holding on to to the same like same kind of bulk of congregation. And then after we had a lot of lockdowns and then a few different smaller lockdowns, the long one and a few smaller, we moved to 84 as a total congregation. So we actually lost people during that time. For whatever reason, um, for whatever it may be, people didn't come back to church. Maybe people left this church. Maybe people went elsewhere. I'm not sure. But that was the that was the reality of what took place in our congregation at that point in time I was meeting you know I remember meeting with our team leaders who carry a lot of the stuff that we do and said that means that our volunteering base is down like people are down Um, so we're going to have to kind of carry a little bit extra for the next period of time to get us through while we can kind of kind of regrow and work on that culture because culture shifts pretty quick as well if you're not intentional and you're not um, growing together and, and, and really intentional in that, it can kind of drop really quickly. And so that kind of happened with our serving, with serving in our church services. And so we said to them, you know, hold on, we're going to push forward for a bit. And now we find ourselves two years later and we are still pushing. We're still really holding on. And I wanted to say a massive thank you to our service team leaders in particular. who have carried and shouldered so much weight in these areas over that last two years to bring us to the place where we are today. At that point in time, when we were having these discussions, we're talking, we're saying, you know what, this is not necessarily going to be sustainable long term. I think we're at the point now where it's no longer sustainable, but it's also detrimental. It's also having a detrimental effect on the culture of our church as a, as a congregation as a whole, I hope I'm not being too real today. We just you know, it's something that as family we have to talk about. That, that there are some people even in our you know in our congregation that serve almost weekly in their team, and have other responsibilities, full time working, whatever it may be. Uh, add to that our youth leaders. Can we please put our hands together for the, those who? have put their hands up to to lead our youth ministry, within our youth ministry, who are, every single one of them is actively engaged in our Sunday serving teams as well, as being actively engaged in Friday nights, leaders meetings, all the other things that they do. And I think it's come to a point where we need to say, this can't continue the way that it's going. We've got to take stock, we've got to have a look, and lean into that tension, adjust that mindset, and then give space to change some of our methods. So we are wanting to involve a lot more people in our serving teams on less frequent rosters. We're trying to look at this. How can we have the health of the whole church growing while we still maintain the mission? We don't want to deviate from that. So let me give you a percentage for those who like numbers of current people in our, in our adult uh, congregation who are part of a team in serving. 
it is currently sitting at 36%. So 36% of adults who call Grace Life Ellenbrook home are part of a roster or part of a serving team on a Sunday. Can we please put together and put our hands together for every single person in whatever shape, form or capacity that has said, I will serve the local body. Now, I tell you why this is important. It's important because all of those others who are carrying so much are limited in what they can do outside of a church service. Let me say, this is not the be all and end all. This is to empower us for what takes place out there. This is important, but it should not drain the life of willing and committed disciples who then have no energy, no passion, no, no desire to serve their community or their friends or their families because they are weighed down with responsibilities that could easily be distributed. Are you with me? So we're sitting at 32%. Now we're going to change a mindset and then we're going to change some methods. But in the meantime, we may need to drop some stuff. So there may be a, a Sunday when you come in, and we didn't intentionally do this this morning, but there may be a Sunday where we just don't have multimedia because there's only two people on that team. And if one of them is away, the other's covering which means that Lachlan has been on the last four weeks. Lachlan is also a full-time university student. He's also a youth leader. He also has many other responsibilities. This is what we're saying. Lachlan is important. Lachlan matters. Here's what we say about Tyler, who is our kids' ministry leader. He's also working full-time in quite an intense workplace, as well as being on kids pretty much every week, which means that he's not in the services here, being ministered, hearing the word, all of those sorts of things, as well as being a youth leader on a Friday night. We might not have kids' church because Tyler matters. I want us to catch this, that we value the person over the production. We value who you are over what you can do. And we're not going to break and burn people to just keep things going. If we can't do it, then we won't do it. Or we'll change the way that we do it so that we can do it in a healthy way. Okay? Now, this is a journey that we need to go on together. That we need to go on together. I asked our department team, our department leaders, basically what... How many people would you require, let's think real practically, to serve on your team so that we can look at everyone is doing once a month? If they wanted to do more, if like that was their heart and they really wanted to serve in an area more than once a month, then that's fine. But how could we structure it in a way that we would have every team have once a month so that no one's carrying all of the load? Because what's happening is there are people that are real willing and they're real committed and they really want to help, and they really want to serve. We can't take advantage of that. So I said, what's the kind of number? And everyone gave me the numbers of what, what we thought. I kind of came with the, the, the music team a little bit. Um, what, what would it take for us to do that, right? And so here are the numbers. Oh, they're on a slide. <laughs> Bring back Lockie. 
Yeah, where's Lockie? Can you read it out from the back? Sorry, your day off today. Uh, so kids, um, four people, PR eight, hospitality two, sound two, media two, and music four. So that sounds pretty doable, right? Do you know if that, if that amount of people actually joined onto a team, that would take us to 55% of our adult attendance. Now that gives space for when you have a baby or when something happens or when someone can't serve or someone's not able to. Don't feel like you, this is a pressure, like you need to do it, like, but this is something that we need to address. For those, those numbers actually added up to 22 so here is a faith goal for us, to increase our team base by 22 people in 2022. We're going to believe for 22 new people to join our teams in 2022, to therefore distribute the work so that we can all carry it equally and evenly, rather than one or two or three or four. I tell you what, I feel like God is saying that he is going to continue to expand and continue to grow us. But we need to consolidate. We need to grow with firm foundations, making sure that we, we value one another and that we are healthy in our growth. So 22 in 22. If you were to serve, and my friend Josie did the mathematics for me on this, if you were to serve one Sunday a month for a year, you are effectively serving 12 days. Break that down in your mind. You're, you're committing to 12 days in a whole year to serve in a team, to be part of what's happening. That is, I, I think we can do that. I think many of us possibly just don't have the haven't had the opportunity, maybe haven't been asked, maybe haven't realized that there's, there's not that many people in teams because it just keeps going. So this is, again, it's not like cracking you with a whip. This is just saying this is where it's at and we need to have a look at this because we want to grow healthily together. And so if we had that 22, that, I think that means that people then can just be part of the service once, be ministered to, be, you know, sit under the Word, just pray for people and it won't become something that is overly burdensome and breaking for just a few. All right? So 22 people, if you're part of the 22, which is not as exclusive or elite as the 144,000. Check, read, read your Bible there. But if you, if you say, like, I can do one Sunday for the next month, I'm not sure where, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what, there is a sign-up uh, desk at, out in reception, which is, uh, Mel's going to be out there just to take some details. What will that point is if you want to connect, I'll set up a Zoom call with you and we can talk through some of the different areas in our church community where you could serve and we can kind of work out what your gift set is, what your passion is and connect you to that department leader. You then get put into the process of becoming part of that team. I can see a lot of people nodding and some people thinking, if in the next couple of months we can we can get this taking place we're going to talk about this a few a few times then it's going to strengthen our church community we want to make sure that we have a strong home base that we are healthy in this home base before we get overextended in other places 
So this is, this is really important for this year. Here's another thing that we're, we're kind of focusing on with our, you know, our church community is growing deeper so we can go wider. We want to grow deeper spiritually and relationally so that we can go wider and further uh, with, with the gospel penetration in our world. To grow deeper spiritually, relationally, so that we can go wider. And we saw there, um, Karen spoke about our different groups that we have. We have groups, we've got life groups, we've got Bible studies that are sprouting up organically. People are getting together to, to study the Bible. We have interest groups that we're, we're launching where it could be about people with the same kind of heart for something, getting together, uh, focusing on Jesus together in that, and then inviting others so that we're reaching others. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's lots of different groups that we have. Our prayer group, which meets on the, the Sunday morning to pray into our services at 9.15. That, that is an incredibly important part of our church. These are different areas where we can actually grow relationally, where we can, we can be, be closer in community and we can grow together in those areas, as well as growing spiritually. So again, if you're not part of a group, Consider making this the year where you connect into that, where you join a, a life group or you join an interest group or you say, I'm going to run a group with some people. I want to run and help and, and, and equip people and study with people. Maybe that's you that's saying that for this year. I, I could do that. I would like to be a part of that. But we want to continue to grow deeper so we can go wider. We have other things happening in our uh, two really key uh, initiatives that we're doing. You would have heard last week with our prayer and fasting, which we set aside 21 days. I think it starts February 28th, and that is leading into the community day. So that is a time where we set aside 21 days to intentionally seek God through prayer and fasting, where we, we, we pray, we fast, whatever, you, whatever that looks like for you, and we allow God to just speak to us. We, we position ourselves in that place. This is something that, that is important to us to, to continue. It's not one of the things we think, no, we shouldn't do that anymore. Like This is really important to grow spiritually, to, to again, align ourselves and our hearts. But the new thing that we are doing is the word and prayer, which is really exciting. And again, we feel that God is calling us back to the Bible, calling us back to his word. And what we're going to do is after uh, our prayer and fasting, we're going to spend 21 days of prayer and word. And we're going to move through the, the Gospel of John, which has 21 chapters. And we're going to read through a chapter a day. And we'll have a point of connection and, and different uh, places for us to input and to speak into. We've got some cool journals that have been uh, purchased and hopefully they'll be here in time where you can go through John and you can write down your notes, you can write down questions, you get time to interact and to engage with what the scripture is actually saying. And I really strongly want to encourage us to not just let this be that something that the spiritual, you know what I mean, that everyone else does and we, we just it's not, not for us. This is for all of us. Again, to bring us together, bring us back to his word, teach us again how to, 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 to dig in the scriptures and to grow together as we do that. Is that okay? 
two other things we're looking at just practically and physically with this building in this location. You would probably know that we've had a, a lot of um, younger families. When I give those, those statistics for our attendance, one of our biggest uh, demographics is actually under 12. One of our largest demographics as a church is actually those under 12 years old, which is exciting. I think that's awesome that there, there are young people that are going to be growing up in this house. Now, our facility is a blessing to us. We, you know, the way that we were given this facility, the way that we came to, to, to uh, attain it was a, a, a miracle of God for us to be in this place. However, it's functionally doesn't necessarily tick all the boxes for being able to cater well to some of our younger ones. So you'll see we have a little creche or a little parent's room right there, and then we have one big room. Now, imagine some weeks we have 30 kids come to kids' church. They're all in one room. When Tyler comes out this morning, you should really give him a hug, like a COVID safe hug. But let him know that you appreciate what he does because that is pretty intense. Now, we have kids in there as well that have auditory issues or uh, maybe on the, uh, the spectrum with autism. Being compacted into one big room is kind of daunting. It can, it can actually affect them. And it makes it difficult for us to be able to minister to the age groups well individually when we do. And one of the things that we're looking at right now, we're getting quoted up, is to build a patio on the outside part of our um, kids' ministry room and enclose that, which will effectively create another room for us. We can then divide the middle room to create two sec sections and the vision or the hope will be that that first section will turn into a crèche. And so the little ones will be ministered to as well. Right now we don't have a crèche. Our kids' ministry starts at three or four. And so anyone under three or four is kind of going into that little room there. And if you've ever been in there, it's not very, like, it's quite squishy and quite hard to um, fit into. So we're looking at how to do that and putting some money into that so that we can then better effectively minister to our young people. That's something that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. It will give us a, a bit of space there. We're also kicking the idea around about this stage here and our audio-visual team building a stage, a wooden stage. When we put this in, we were unsure how often we were going to need to pack it up and set it up for our uh, hires of this building. And we felt, you know, it's probably good to have something that's pretty compactable. But as we've been here, it's, it's, it's shown that we don't pack it up as much as possibly we thought. And with building our own kind of stage, we'll have the luxury of being able to put in our speakers, all of our cables, all of, our, um, all of these different things that will be able to be embedded into the stage. We'll build like that so that the audiovisual team as well isn't having to do two or three hours of setup every Sunday. It's just going to make it so much easier for us. So uh, you know, the plan would be to sell this and then to, to fund it through that. But that's going to be a project. It's on... They're putting together a proposal put together to our management team who will look at that. But uh, another way that we're looking, how do we use this, this space the best to be able to minister to our community? So that's something on the cards. We all, all also have all of our community uh, initiatives that you would have heard about last week. 
but I want to add in there, Altar One is a real significant point for us as a church. Please be praying for Altar One. I know that the majority, I think, of our youth right now are actually from our Altar One campuses, which is awesome. Altar One is an alternative education um, organization that, that a Christian-founded organization that works with young people that are unri- at risk or disengaged from school. And we have a campus here. It meets here during the week. And they are part of our community. We love them. We pray for them. And we want to see the gospel reach them. But not just the kids. We want to see the families reached as well. We have our week of honour, which will take place this week, uh, this, this, week ne- this year, where we're going into schools and police stations, and I think possibly the fire station, to put on a lunch and a morning tea to really just say thank you to uh, the people that serve in those areas. We're a community group that sees you. We, we appreciate you. We value you. We honour you. Uh, and as, as was said before, we have the community day that we're looking at, and this will be another place to just reach to open up to, to the community, to, to build those relationships. Then we obviously have our overseas stuff, which is taking place. Now, some of that is has been affected by, um, you know, you can't travel into in overseas to, to do missions, but we're looking again at the way we do stuff. So looking at how we support local missionaries and local ministers on the ground in different countries, in India, Africa, with that. That's a kind of rundown of what's taking place this year, a couple of emphases, but to come back to it, to reach, raise, and release. We don't want to create a dichotomy or a division or a a separation between grace life and grace life. So the vision for the church is the vision for us individually as well, that in order for that to take place, it's got to take place in our lives. So how are we going with reaching? How are we going with raising or being raised? How are we going with releasing or being released? You individually. You as a family. We asked this question in our life group. When was the last time you sat down and shared the gospel with someone? Or when was the last time you invited someone over to connect with your family or you, you know, how are you being raised? How are you getting into the word? How are you raising others in the word? How are we going? And then we come to the place where it's kind of hard to quantify, which is the place of release. How are we being released into the call and the, and the, the, the place that God has for each of us? I, I believe that we are to be that releasing church. And each of us individually, we have things that God has spoken to us or things that God is doing in us or areas that God has led us to be a part of. And as a church, we want to pray for each of us and pray for us that we would be released into those places. Maybe you're a teacher or maybe you're a chef or maybe you're, uh, you, you work in a different area. Those places that God has put you, He has placed you there intentionally for a purpose. And it's not just the job that you you do, whilst that can be important. It's to be able to reach, raise and release in those spheres. To be able to help outwork the kingdom and the gospel in those areas. 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.